your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, Hakeem drops the ball! Turn, picks a flow! And touchdown is frozen over. of the 2022 season. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Welcome in Saints fans, Steve Geller, WWO Saints sideline reporter, along with digital content producer Jeff Nowak on another edition of Inside Black and Gold. We're going to be talking to you about the first day of training camp, who was there, who wasn't. Uh, Michael Thomas, the big fish on the field, I guess you could say. Uh, was a surprise to see him off the physically unable to perform list. We'll talk about that. Also, how Jameis Winston's looking. And some comments about uh, Dennis Allen in his first year as head coach as uh, of the Saints, along with some padded helmets that look a little funny on the players. They they, they certainly do. Uh, yes, and there there is a lot to talk about. It was a short practice, but we got a lot of content. We're going to have a lot on Michael Thomas in the back half of the show. We're going to focus on some other stuff here in the first segment. You know, and and we can we can start with these padded helmets because I think they are going to be, you know, a very a major talking point, if not like just because they look silly uh, as we get more into camp, especially as once fans get out there and really get to see what they look like. And so just to kind of set the scene here, if you've ever watched a rugby, a rugby match, the, the kind of helmets they have, where they kind of have those bubble pads. That's what we're talking about. And they're going over the actual helmet. So it has this kind of like alien look. Uh, and so it's it's the defensive linemen, the offensive linemen, the linebackers, and the tight ends all have to wear these. And it's, you know, a league-mandated thing that's new this year. Every team is doing it, apparently. I haven't seen, you know, much footage from other teams. Um, but it's it's interesting. And uh, I first saw it on Taysom Hill, and I thought maybe it was a Taysom Hill thing. And then I looked around, and I was like, oh, no, they're all wearing this. It's apparently some sort of... Uh, it's supposed to help prevent concussions, I guess. And I think the the idea is like, especially the linemen, when you're blocking, you're, you're colliding helmets a lot. I think especially when you don't have pads on because the pads, I think, kind of create a buffer between the helmets. And I think when you don't have the pads on, the helmets get together a lot faster. That would be my guess as to why they would, uh, they would have these on. But you'll notice them when you get out there because they are noticeable. Yeah, I had to look it up because it just looked a bit ridiculous. And it is, it's called Guardian Cap, uh, worn outside of the helmet. And the company says they can reduce impact by up to 33%. And it's being worn by more than 200 colleges and 2,000 high schools already. And now the NFL is looking to implement them. Uh, it definitely looks odd. Cam Jordan had some interesting comments about them today as well. I feel like a two-year-old running around on the field today, very head first. I, I love whoever made these regulations. Probably the NFL, probably NFLPA, probably both of them what together. Is that? What are those like wearing like when you're actually, do you notice a difference? Or? Did you hear me? Yes, no, I mean. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, there's, there's a notice, noticeable change that they're going to say is not noticeable. Okay. Um, but yeah, you can feel it. And I'm sure in the next couple of days when we get pads on, I can, I'll be able to tell just as much because I've got a lot of, you know, I've got a lot of lot of moves that involve shaking and shimming with the head, so I'm going to look like a big old bobblehead. Um, and I don't. I'm trying to do the 
the right thing and be a team guy and, and rock this one out. We'll see how long this lasts. There you go. Cam Jordan feels like a two-year-old. And, and I think that that is funny. You know, he's just like, he's just lolling around, just like feeling perfectly comfortable, just bouncing off of walls and stuff. Uh, and it, it does kind of feel that way. And I, and I do think that there is kind of, you can see when they're wearing them, that it kind of, you can understand how they would feel a little off balance because there is that extra weight on your helmet, which is already kind of a weird thing that your body is not used to having on it. Um, but yeah, I, I understand the concept of it, but I do think that it's going to, takes some getting used to. They're not going to use them in games, obviously. So that's not going to be a factor, but it's just something the players are going to have to get used to and something I'm going to have to get used to looking at. Yeah, definitely the look of it is odd, but if heck, if it's going to help reduce the concussion rate or any kind of impact on the head area, obviously everyone's all about that. Yeah, and speaking of health, you know, this is actually, you know, as we as we mentioned, Michael Thomas was out there today. Taysom Hill and Marcus May were both full goes, full participants, which, you know, Marcus May tore his Achilles last November. Taysom Hill had a list Frank injury in week, week 18 of last season. That's the shortest possible window you can have for the Saints, at least, because they didn't make the playoffs. And they're both full participants uh, in, in the first day of training camp. And that is impressive. And I think it it gives you a really good picture of how dedicated these guys are to their rehab because they're got that's way faster than I think you would have expected a few years back for these guys to get back on the field um but Peyton Turner also got back on the field that's the first time we've seen him this offseason that was nice to see the guys we did not see Marcus Davenport as we knew he was on the pup list he is not out there Mickey Loomis said it was more about conditioning than health which is right. I think a good thing but we're still waiting to see him kick returner wide receiver Rashid Rashid Shahid, which is a, it's a tongue twister. He's a guy we have not seen yet. He's a UDFA at a Weber state. I think the fact that they keep their, they've kept him around despite him not getting on the field is telling of, you know, the respect they have for him as a player, you know, cause they cut a couple players the other day. They did not cut him. Um, and we're still waiting to see him. Tano Passigno was on the NFI, the non-football illness list, which not I injury. find is a very funny designation. <laughs> because I don't know what a football illness is, but if they exist, I might have one. Uh, safety Tyron Matthew, he was an excused absence. Uh, he has a family issue. Dennis Allen doesn't know exactly when he'll be back. He just said, as long as it takes him to take care of it, then he'll be back. You know, I don't expect that to be something that keeps him out very long, but we did not see him today. And then linebacker Pete Werner was probably the only surprise absence. He was working off to the side. He had some sort of injury. DA wouldn't specify what it was, but you know, it clearly wasn't something that limited him from running around. So I think that's a positive sign. Still not great because you want to see him out there. This is a big offseason for him. You know, he's a guy who's probably going to step into his starting role at the will linebacker position, and he's not ready. Um, so it a gives a couple people who might be also trying to fill that spot a chance to step in, and also kind of makes you wonder, you know. How long is this going to keep him sidelined? And how does that impact, you know, how he kind of fills in next to DeMario Davis? And then another big question will pop up too. It's like, if this does something that is going to linger a lot uh, longer You're going to Quan, aren't you? Right. It's going to be Quan uh, Alexander, who I know I'm already hearing from fans on social media. I'm sure you are too, asking when are the Saints going to be bringing him back in? Since he remains unsigned, uh, only team that I know he visited this offseason was the New York Jets. I don't, the, this, this, just no interest in Quan Alexander is kind of mind boggling to me. I don't really understand it. It's very strange. It's not, you know, like last year he was coming off an Achilles and it's like, okay, that makes sense. You know, 
teams are going to be hesitant to take a stab at a guy. Um, but this year he's healthy. Yeah, he, he played pretty well last year. I mean, he wasn't great, but he was he was very he was a startable linebacker, um, very athletic, a good tackler. Can't find a job, which you know it, it is odd, and it kind of makes you wonder if he's holding out for kind of a late off season signing where he wants to be. And if that's the saints, then, you know, maybe, maybe he is an option on the table, but yeah, I think DA didn't made it sound like Pete's absence would not be extended. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. It was, again, it was a short practice today. I thought that was interesting. It's great for us. Yeah. It was only about 90 minutes, which, you know, my notes for the day are very incomplete because I was, I was kind of like watching and slow playing it. And, you know, I hadn't even, I was planning on kind of taking a really close look at the offensive line in the last like 45 minutes of practice, because that's when you really get into the super competitive team drills in my experience. But the last 45 minutes of practice didn't, didn't happen by my watch. You know, you were off, off the field by 1030. I think that was, that was a planned thing. I think they're trying to work people into the elements a little bit. Dennis DA indicated that as we go along, they'll, they'll ramp that up a bit. They'll stretch that out. But today we did not see a ton. Um, but I wasn't complaining because I'm also trying to work my way back into the elements and I didn't sweat. You know, I, I only sweated off a couple pounds, not like 10. Yeah, of course. I, I look at it as I was prepared with my cool hat, my cooling towel, Got to have that cooling towel. We, we, it was a day we really didn't need it, though, because a lot of it um, was able to sit under the awning there by the practice since they were mostly on that side of the field. And it just the, the air wasn't so thick today, thankfully. It wasn't that brutal of a day while we were out there. Was there, was there any player that stood out to you specifically, not named Michael Thomas? We're going to get into a lot about Michael Thomas. So let's skip him and say, is there anyone else that stood out to you today uh, from what you saw? Uh, definitely, I would say Taysom Hill, just because of the fact of we hadn't seen him in so long. Uh, there was nothing from organized team activities or even from minicamp. And it was kind of a surprise when the pup list initially came out. He wasn't on it coming back from that Liz Frank injury. So definitely kept a, a close eye on him, wanted to see how that foot was reacting to being on the field, how he was cutting, how he looked. And Taysom looks like the same old guy right now, which is great. We're going to see obviously more on Monday when the pads come on and all, but uh, not seeing him in that red, no contact practice Jersey was a little odd wearing the white Jersey with the number seven uh, just lined up like a normal offensive player this time around. Yeah. And he was all over the place. He was working in a lot of the special teams. I expect that to be a big part of his role this year. It's, it is weird because you know, all of a sudden he can get hit in practice. It's probably going to be an adjustment for him. Um, But it's going to be interesting to watch just how involved he is in, in the punt return unit in the punt in the punt coverage unit, all that. And obviously tight end, we saw him working with the tight ends today. And that's something that even in his do it all role, that's really not what we saw from him. He would play tight end on Sundays, but he would be in the quarterback room for a majority of it. He would work around and he understands how all those assignments, but he was not doing drills with the tight ends. He was doing that today. And to me, that's the most significant difference. The guy who I thought stood out was another tight end. um, And it was Juwan Johnson. I thought he had for, for a guy who we, you know, we've questioned and said he needs to step up. He needs to start making plays. I thought he made a couple plays today. He had a nice catch down the sideline and flashed the speed. 
he had a nice catch in the middle of the field and he kind of used his bulk and got through some, some defenders. They obviously couldn't hit him. Uh, but you know, I thought it was, it was encouraging in how he was, how he was getting to the spots he needed to get at making plays on the ball. Um, and I think both of those guys are going to be really fascinating to watch. And I think if this offense is, is going well, they'll have a role in it. Yeah. And I thought you mentioned another tight end, but uh, another guy too, uh, Troutman, the third year guy, he had a, a couple of nice grabs in team drills. Uh, one that was around a, a 20, 25 yarder down the seam. And that to me is huge too. I know there's so much uh, negative press around him after a down year and year two for him. But I think Troutman's a guy in year three that can still surprise a lot of folks. I think this tight end, we, we talked about this last episode. I think this tight end room high. it is going to surprise a lot of folks. I yeah. think that, you know, you look at the numbers they put up last year and you kind of weigh that in the offense that was just so anemic. And I don't think it was as bad as people want to say it was. Um, but we'll, we'll have a lot of time to talk about that. I thought Jameis, he, he came out that limp everyone wanted to talk about. It's a thing of the past. He was I'll back in the you. knee brace. There was that kind of stretch in the offseason where he shared a couple of videos where he wasn't in the brace and everyone was like, wow, he's out of the brace. That's great. He's going to be wearing the brace. Right. The team is going to make sure he's in that brace. And, and he should be. Uh, he had a major knee surgery, and you want to brace that knee. There's and no I think question. He told, us, he told us during OTAs or minicamp, one of those sessions where it's going to be around for the season, too. He, yeah. He's going to be using it. Doctor's orders. It's going to happen. It's going to exactly. be wearing that brace. Following um, and he had, he had a nice throw to Jarvis Landry up the seam today. Um, we're going to keep hearing about how they're kind of throttling him, coming back from that knee injury, uh, but he's going to be a full go. Uh, <laughs> someone asked Jameis Winston uh, during the interviews after practice, whether he would want to play in the preseason. And he was like, is that a rhetorical question? Like, of course I want to play in the preseason. And I, it's exactly what I expected him to say, because Jameis, if you let him would play every snap of every preseason game, he's a crazy person. Right. And I appreciate that about him. It's what Dennis brought it up yesterday. And he said, you know, one of the things he admires most about James Winston is his work ethic. He is a guy who never stops working and to a fault, I think. And, and that's going to be the case. Um, but, you know, one of the things that stood out today to me is to Dennis Allen, you know, he called practice after 90 minutes. I think that's a very Dennis Allen thing. There are a few things that happened today that were very Dennis Allen things. We're getting a lot more chances to, to share footage from camp, which I think is a Dennis Allen thing. Um, and, but he himself was not interested in talking about, hey, this is my first training camp. This is a big moment for me. Um, and I, I thought, I, I thought that, and I think that while that's fair, we also need to acknowledge and talk about the fact that like these, there are changes and we want to, we want to hear what they are. Um, but we have some audio from Dennis. So we're going to play right here. This is about getting a football team ready to go play a regular season and win football games. And so, um, I didn't really think anything about myself or anything that was going on around me. It was just kind of tunnel vision on how do we get better and, and you know what here's the thing that's a message I'm pre preaching to our players and if I can't adhere to that message then you know what, what good is it so um, it's really is tunnel vision one step at a time all those cliches that you think about but they're but they're real um, and it's it's the way you get better in this game so what do you think when you hear that I think it's just him being in head coach mode not trying to make it about himself. It's all about the team and totally understandable and wouldn't expect anything less from Allen, honestly. 
Yeah, no, it's exactly what you'd expect him to say. But I, you know, I think that we we can sit, step back and be like, okay, this is a big change. This is a new era of head coaching for the Saints. We don't have to pretend that this is business as usual because it's not. It's not. And, you know, I, I don't fault him for for not taking credit, but I do, I do, you know, call a little bit of BS on this idea that he didn't, that it didn't even face him. Didn't today. wake up today and go, yeah, <laughs> today's the day. And I think he kind of teased that at the end where he's like, yeah, this is the message we give to everybody. So that's what I'm going to say. I'm just not sure I believe it because I don't think that for a second, this is not big for him. This is not a big moment for him. And this is not a lot of pressure every moment of every day to get everything right. And, you know, he's going to say the right things. He's going to do the right thing. But we, I think we can all agree that this is, this is not business as usual. This is a very, very different scenario. And it's one that for him is, is going to be massively important for how his career is viewed down the road. Yeah. What's What's interesting is obviously his first job as a head coach was with the Raiders and was going into an organization and a situation there where there were no expectations heading into that job. And obviously he didn't, things didn't go well there. He didn't last long, uh, ended up back in new Orleans. And now he kind of, he saw the way that Sean Payton ran things, the way the saints were running things, the, the, the black and gold way of, of doing things. And it's been successful obviously over the years and I think that's the biggest difference that, or why it doesn't feel like such a huge change. Obviously, Dennis Allen's been around. He's been in this system and he's kept most of Sean Payton staff around. So it's kind of like Sean Payton 2.0, but not in the aspect, I would say, of a personality wise. No, no. Personality wise, I think you have a very different, very different totally character. different, right. And I, you know, I think that the players are responding well to it. I think the defense already knew what to expect. Right. And it was a question of, you know, how does he kind of bring that up and, and be an umbrella over the rest of the team and not just the defense. And, you know, Cam talked about that today a little bit. And he was like, yeah, you used to, used to not have to deal with Sean at all unless things are going terrible. And I have to deal with Dennis all the time. Uh, and he kind of joked because that's what Cam does. He jokes a lot. But, you know, I think it's, it is, it is interesting. He has to have a say on the offensive side of the ball. And as we go through camp, and we haven't really got a chance to talk to Pete Carmichael at all. Um, but it's going to be interesting to hear just how involved he is on that side of the ball and, and how Pete is kind of, is kind of juggling this kind of different dynamic of the team leader is now on the defensive side and he is the leader of the offense. Yeah. I'm curious to know to really how much, does P. Carmichael Jr.'s role feel different to him right now? How much more is he, I don't want to say involved, but how much more does he have uh, on his plate now that he is the full offensive coordinator with, without the head coach's quote-unquote input on it? See, I, I don't know, but I can tell you one thing is he would much rather have that plate be full as long as it has Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and Chris Olave on it. And uh, we're going to get into a lot more of that in the next segment here. Remember to remember to rate, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast, Inside Black and Gold. We're going to be bringing this to you at least twice a week, three times during the regular season. It's going to be a good time when we come back. More on the Big MT getting back to practice.
Nowak talking to you on Inside Black and Gold, our big training camp. Day number one was featuring a guy that we didn't expect to see out there at all today. And when the team came out to practice, I know everyone's looking at their sheets, taking attendance. And it took a little bit. And then finally, I heard Jeff saying to me, is that is that Michael Thomas? I do think I was the first to notice. And I, I really was like, what are you talking about? Is that Michael Thomas? I'm like, so I'm looking around. Where's where, where's 13? It was yet, right there. Yeah. <laughs> sure enough. And I was like, it, w- it was like the, the heavens opened up, the light shone down right on top of him. And then you couldn't keep your eyes off of him, obviously. And, <laughs> you know, for, for not seeing the guy for, you know, a, like a year and a half, basically, I, I thought his first practice session went well. It doesn't have any kind of, any kind of limp to his movements. Uh, the cuts and everything look crisp and, just seeing him interacting with the team, I don't think we can say it enough, is just a huge positive right now coming back that, from that ankle issue. He looked like Michael Thomas. He was all business. Um, you right. know, he was angry, it seemed, at moments. You know, he's an intense guy. But, yeah, just to kind of set the stage there, we're all kind of sit, standing there under the awning. They're doing their kind of uh, first set of, like, a walkthroughs. And it's, it's tough to kind of get a gauge. Everyone's kind of taking attendance. And everyone's kind of spread all over the field. And I didn't, I didn't see him out there. I don't think anyone saw him out there. It's like he was hiding. And, yes. and then I wouldn't be surprised if he was like standing behind some of the linemen just to just to make a reveal. And then all of a sudden, you know, they kind of they split out and the offense splits out. And he just comes sprinting over, you know, and I look up at number 13 is just standing there at the edge of the field. And it's like, wait, I know that number. <laughs> what did Wait, someone changed jerseys? Well, yeah, that's what I thought at first because I was like, oh, maybe maybe they just have someone wearing 13 because they needed a jersey number switch and he's on the pup list. So they just had him. Nope, it was him. He looks a little slimmer. I think that's what made it uh, a little confusing at first because like maybe that is someone else. But no, it is Michael Thomas. We know for a fact we talked to him. Uh, we saw him in person and it was cool. I, I appreciated just seeing him out there. It's so confidence inspiring. I said this on sports talk. I said this on the podcast. It was always going to be confidence inspiring just to see him out there, just to see him get work in, even if it was just working off to the side. And it wasn't, he got in, you know, full work in the drills. He did not participate in team drills. Um, but you know, he, all the individual work he was on, he didn't look like he had any limitations in terms of how he was cutting on that ankle. And that is great to see. He said that basically, and if you're wondering why he was on the pup list at all, it's because there were questions about whether he would be ready for the first day of practice. And he said the team basically told him last night, okay, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to show us this to get back on the field. And he said that he knew he was going to get back on the field because he knew that he was going to do what he had to do. Um, But he still had to go out and do that kind of workout the team liked what they saw. They felt comfortable and they sent him out there. They didn't give us any warning, but I kind of appreciated that. It was this very like this very like cinematic, like climactic, like, oh my God, you know, it was exciting. It was one of the more exciting things I've seen at training camp. It was just this great reveal. Uh, I, and- I, just, I just love too. He, he goes down and finally he makes his first catch uh, right in front of uh, Marcus May, flips the ball to him and kind of flex, does, does the Michael Thomas uh, bicep flex. Yeah, it just it, it's he's so it felt good. It felt so good today after enduring last season and having every single 
bad bit of injury luck go wrong that feels like it could have gone wrong. Just having some positivity on the injury front, and especially when it comes to Michael Thomas, is just so just so relieving. Because last year too, all of last year was so just beat you down. Well, and like there was always this idea, oh, maybe he's going to get up in the field after week eight. Oh, maybe he's going to come back. And I was like, okay, until I see this guy on the field, I'm not going to believe it. Yeah. Um, and I think that for him, for the team, it, it was similar. I think there was this major mental hurdle of just getting back on the field. And doing that now just allows you to just go to practice now. We don't have to talk about it anymore. His responsibility is now no longer get back on the field. It is get better. It is get back to 100% from whatever percent you are now. I don't think that he is at fully 100%, but he's at a percentage that will allow him to get on the field. And that in and of itself is such a major victory. And I mean, I thought he looked sharp. You know, everyone's going to look pretty good. Run, it, running routes in shorts against air. There was no defense when he was running routes, but, you know, it didn't seem like he was a different person out there. You know, he looked fast. He looked strong. looked yoked. <laughs> yoked. That's my favorite word. Well, who who came word. up with that term too? Because I always I wondered, know. like, what does that mean, yoked? I, I think it's like, like, like strong, like bull, like, you know, like a, a yoke on an oxen. Um, but yeah, that's off topic. But, you know, it, it, it's, there, there was just this air of positivity just having him out there. And I, and I, I know I've said this six times, but it's true. Yeah, and I think that with Michael Thomas, there was a lot of, a lot of negative air just surrounding oh, yeah. uh, everything about his injury, his relationship with the team. I love the fact that right after practice today, Mike T was hitting Twitter. And he was calling out pro football doc, Dr. Chow, who we had on sports talk. And he's like, your favorite fantasy football doctor was wrong. No, he said he lied to you. And, <laughs> and then and hashtag he added unfollow. hashtag unfollow. <laughs> but that's the Mike I want. Exactly. I want salty Amen. Mike. And we're yeah. going to get, we're going to have a lot more about salty Mike in the back end of this show. But I do want to talk about, um, you know, he was asked how confident he is in, his ability to impact this team this season. And I thought he gave an excellent answer, and uh, we're going to play it for you here. I'm very confident. I'm very confident. I mean, even the year that I played, I was playing injured, and I was still kind of helping this team, you know, win games and move the chains. And I was literally on one ankle. My ankle was the same as when I was, you know, when I had to go get the surgery on the same injury already early on in the season that I played on it. So push through that and I'm just happy to be like trending now in the right direction and handling my business. I think he makes an excellent point there. You know, if you have questions about how effective he can be when he comes back, he, I don't think he's lying there. He went on IR after the four game stretch with Taysom Hill as the starter in the 2020 season. During that stretch, he averaged seven and a half catches per game for like 85 yards. Two of those games, he had over hundred yards receiving. I think they were both against the Falcons. And again, the quarterback was Taysom Hill who, as we saw last season, you know, he is effective at winning games, but he's not effective at putting up a ton of passing yards. But he was still able to make it work being the main weapon in that offense and being as limited as we know now that he was. I don't think at that point we fully appreciated just how bad that ankle injury was. But I think now, two years removed, and having not seen him on the field for an entire season, 
we can all appreciate just how bad that ankle injury was. I mean, there's no question how bad it was because we're still talking about it today. And he was able to not only put up, you know, move the chains as he puts it, you know, he put up good numbers, you know, he was like, he was receiving at a pace that would be like 1500 yards. If, if you extrapolate it out over 17 games with Taysom Hill as his quarterback. So I think that his point is fair. If you can do that on one leg, what is your fear? He's now feeling better than he was in that season, right? It's not like he's still hurt, you know, whether he's at a hundred percent now or not, that's a question, but he's got, he's, he was playing on one leg before he's now got two. I think we can all at least expect, you know, some positive impact from him, you know, whether, whether he is the 2019 Michael Thomas, who is just literally bowling over every offensive record you can find. Um, he has more help than he had then. And he has a quarterback who I think if nothing else can sling the ball. Yeah, we know that, you know, the no risk it, no biscuit days of Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay, that kind of got him in trouble. But we know the guy's got an arm and and has a lot more uh, strength downfield than whatever Drew, Drew Brees ever had. Uh, it's just obviously uh, Winston's accuracy, which improved last season. Hopefully that continues into this year. But with Mike T, uh, you never got a sense that his confidence was ever going to waver, that he didn't ever believe in himself. We've heard from teammates, especially from Drew Brees over the years of what a professional this guy is, how serious he takes every rep at practice. And you know, the guy loves to ball. He wants to be on top. And I'm very curious to see if he can get back there at that level this season. Will we see all pro can't guard Mike back on the field in this offense? Because with the offense, uh, with the weapons at hand on this offense, it's just hard to believe that this team will not be a top tier level again if everybody's all back in the mix and, and healthy. Yeah, and I, and I think what what I took away from that press conference um, as well was, you know, there's a there's a humbling nature of not being on the field and kind of. Yeah, it's, I think it's similar to what we saw with Jameis Winston last year. And when you have that type of injury, it kind of makes you step back and be like, man, I do really want to play football. I really do love this game. It was taken away from me. Now I want to get it back. And it's it, there, there are two ways it can go, I think. you can It can either kind of strike you down and be like, well, I don't really care about this that much. You know, it's not worth it. I'm, I'm, I made a bunch of money. I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm just going to phone it in or, you can go the opposite way where you start working like a maniac because you know what you can get. And I think that for both of those guys, you're, you're, you're at least for, for Jameis, we've already, we've already started to see it. You've seen that work ethic and that level of investment in how he's gone about his off season with Mike. I think that just from what he said today, I think that you're going to see something similar. He's always been a crazy worker. And I think you're just going to see him get right back into that. Now he's older. He's obviously got that injury. I don't know if you'll ever get, you know, that might've been his peak in 2019. I don't know if you'll ever get back to the, that, um, but you know, there's a big, there is a big uh, middle ground between, you know, most receptions in a season of all time and, you know, contributing to a playoff caliber football team. And I think that Michael Thomas is well above that lower barrier of being a plus asset on the team that should with all its pieces, expect to be in the playoffs. Yeah, and you know what? He mentioned it today as well, the fact that 
not only was it disappointing for him, but he he cares about his teammates and he knows he let everybody on the team down last year by not being available and wants to be there for them. And I know a lot of talk from fans is, well, how's the relationship after the fight between Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and him at, at practice escalated and got everybody's attention. But I, I think we've talked about it last time. It's that. like that, that's, that's all in the past. It's, you got you to gotta be a man and put it in the past and you, and you move on to the next thing. And that's where these guys, these guys are, definitely are. You don't, you don't have that animosity carrying over. This isn't childish games. This is NFL. This is your pro career. Yeah, and I think that you're going to see this. There's a level of investment on the field that is going to be impressive from Mike. And we, we already saw on day one. So th- there was this moment that I know you, you were standing right next to me for it late in the day. I think one of the last drills that Mike did, he's going over the middle of the field. He goes to catch the ball. He turns, and I think it kind of hit him on the hip or he yeah. dropped it. And, you know, he immediately you can tell he is angry. He is an angry person because the ball hit the ground. And so he basically comes back. He just cuts everyone else in line. He's like, no, I'm going yeah. again. That's great. <laughs> he, goes, it's- he goes in the middle of the field, catches it, and he's like walking around in the back, making his way back. And then like, we're looking over and then you hear just this huge slap on the ball and uh, expletive deleted very loudly. He, he, he yelled and it's like, he was not happy that he did it well the second time. He was still angry that he didn't do it well the first time. And that's the type of competitor you have. It's like, even just this idea of dropping the ball in a drill that means nothing is so enraging to this man (laughs) and that's what you want you want crazy people to be on your football team because you have to be a crazy person to work the way that these guys have to work and i'm pretty sure it was breeze that said that every rep for michael thomas is a super bowl type rep yeah (laughs) yeah locked in i mean and and what and the question is less whether he's going to work hard enough to get back to that level and whether he physically can and i think um I'd rather have a question about the second part than the first part. Yeah, you know the drive is there. You know that the will is there. Now we'll we'll see if that that ankle can hold up because, I mean, uh, we uh, joked around a lot. I, I know and I say that's the worst ankle injury the world's ever seen, but it, it's the uh, you imagine the the pain he was going through and the inability to perform on the field definitely has to be still in his head and make him there has to be that thought of oh no i, I don't want to regress uh, at least to me would think it would be natural yeah and, and as someone who's dealt with pretty severe ankle injuries myself i can it's it is a there's a mental hurdle there for sure and you know it's it's like oh is it gonna go is it gonna go is it gonna go and every now and then it does but we're gonna have a lot more on that injury on the surgery itself and how it kind of played out and why it took as long it did as it did and, and as we said before more salty mike and speaking of salty mike make sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and give us your best salty mike review because uh you know that's what we do We're back again. I'm Jeff Nowak, WWL digital sports producer here with Steve Geller on inside black and gold, a new Orleans saints podcast that gives you an inside pass into everything going on with the saints. And that was especially useful today at training camp day one. Um, But the real, the real fireworks came 
afterward. And, you know, they're fireworks, but at this, I, I do want to preface this by saying, you know, we're still talking about Michael Thomas. And one of the fascinating things about Michael Thomas, as, as intense of a person as he is, as, as, you know, unwilling to, to take any of your grief as he is one of the quietest people I've ever heard speak. Definitely um, going to be going into the media after his playing days are over. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's, he's never struck me as a person who necessarily wants to talk to the media and I don't blame him. I mean, it's a stressful situation. Uh, if you could avoid it, why not? But it, it is, it is interesting. It's if you've a comparison would be like, if you've ever watched the office, there's an episode where they're going over like interview techniques and they talk about um, like power, quiet talking. And it's like intentionally talking super quietly. So you can't, so you have to lean in and that gives, you know, but like he takes it to a crazy level. And that's kind of how I, I always think about that when I hear, hear Mike talk, because he's just, he's just so quiet and he's not a quiet person on the field. You know, he can be loud, but he is in these circumstances. And there, <laughs> there was an exchange today between Mike and Jeff Duncan that I'll, I'll get into a little bit more, but uh, it's these guys, these two, well, I don't think, I don't think Jeff has any issue with Mike, but Mike does not like, Mike does not like Jeff Duncan. I don't think Mike likes most media members though. I, I mean, I think he's indifferent to most media members, but there's a, you know, we're looked at as the enemy. Yeah, yeah. In this case, in this case, I think it's really true. Can you explain like, this is the first time we talked to you in like two years. I mean, yeah, you'd be always saying stuff. What? I mean, what happened? You'd like, always what? be writing BS. Go ahead. No, I mean, what happened that caused this to be a two-year? We got to ask the trainers and doctors about that. Do you have any regrets about how it was handled? Nah, no regrets. Watch me play now. Watch, Watch me play, play now. now. I like that part. <laughs> well, okay, but the the truly funny thing happened afterward, and it kind of goes into what I was saying. I wasn't just bringing up the quiet talking. Uh, at the end of the interview, Jeff Duncan turns around, and you know we're all like bringing it up to him, and he didn't hear it. That's amazing. It was incredible. Like. And it's such a, it's an example of just like kind of this unique, quiet nature of, of Mike in these interviews. He literally was looking directly at Jeff from a foot and a half away. And he said that. Yeah, you're and, always writing BS. And Jeff Jeff did not even register it. Now, he was worried about asking his own question. Um, but uh, it was it was a funny moment. Um, and so if you're wondering what kind of led to that, it was during the kind of last off season when there was questions around where Mike was, why he didn't have surgery when he was, you know, reported to be planning to have surgery. And there was, you know, Jeff wrote a story on, you know, basically the narrative of that situation. You know, Mike called it out at the time he quote, you know, he, he referenced it at the time uh, and, and said that I think, you know, to paraphrase, you know, they're trying to ruin your reputation, blah, blah, blah. And that was really what led to this kind of rift that, you know, really almost got out of hand last season. And I think that the two sides were able to kind of amicably come to a, come to a conclusion there and keep everyone in town, or at least keep, keep Mike in town uh, as a new head coach. Cause not because of that, but because you were tired. Um, and <laughs> it was it was kind of interesting to see that kind of book ended today at, at the press conference. Yeah, it, it definitely completed the day of excitement, I thought. Like we had a little rift between a player and media member. Uh, it wasn't anything too intense, but 
No, I thought it was all in good. You know, it, it, I think that's that's the that's the thing. It's like you can write what you want, and he's going to read it, or he's going to know about it, and he's going to bring it up to you. You know, and that's that's part of the deal. Um, well, that's, that's another funny thing too is when any athlete says that they don't hear or they don't read what we're talking about. That's not true. They're they're all on top of it. I think it's true of some people, and, but I think in in certain instances you can't I avoid. Think it's stuff. Too hard nowadays to ignore it. Well, right. I think in certain instances, like, I think you can try to tune stuff out, but, you know, you can only tune it out to an extent. If someone sends you a screenshot of a story, but I'm pretty confident how he initially found out about the story isn't because he's, you know, a dedicated, a dedicated reader of NOLA.com every day. I'm sure someone sent it to him. And when someone's sending you links or screen caps to stories, you're going to find out about it, whether you are trying to find it or not. And you know, Mike is a pretty popular guy, and I don't think that story gets posted without someone bringing it to his attention. And so, like, you can pretend you're going to blackout, like, you know, Alvin Kamara tries to do on social media, but, you know, it'll get to you. Um, and Mike has never been a quiet person when it comes to that sort of thing. And and that's why he, the fact that he is a quiet person in, in, in press conferences is kind of funny to me. Because, like, he gives really good answers. And but I never find out about them until I transcribe the interview afterward because I can't hear them, and and like I I transcribed his entire interview and like he gives you like really good quotes and really good answers. There's one where he he talks about. Let's see if I can find it. I I just feel really with Michael Thomas is the fact that he's not enthusiastic to talk to the media at all. I think he's his uncle Keyshawn Johnson gave him a, a, a lot of lowdown about the media and for some reason there seems to be a, a lot of animosity towards us and that's that was even right from the start he was he's never been someone who has wanted to be in front of us at least speaking i've never felt animosity i mean i'm sure jeff felt a little today but <laughs> i've never i've never felt like it was an animosity it's more that he just he just doesn't want to do it um but here's a here's an example of like the type of answer he's giving, but like, I didn't know this was his answer until I, until I read it. He's asked, you know, has everything gone to plan since his final surgery? And he says, for the most part, I believe everything has gone like it's supposed to go. The surgery process, it's opinion-based. Sometimes people don't get things right, unfortunately. Sometimes you have, to, you have to know how to pivot and respond in situations like that. But I came from a strong family. I feel like I've watched my whole family struggle way harder than what I'm going through. And I know that me being out there playing this game makes them proud. I take a lot of pride in that. I was home rehabbing and I got to see them a lot more often and I knew what I wanted to do and I knew I wanted to come back and I knew I wanted to make them proud and keep a smile on their face. I feel like I'm the shining light in my family, so I take pride in how I handle my business. That is an incredible answer to a question that I did not hear. <laughs> and it's 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 bizarre to me. Like and he just, you know, he doesn't seem to want to do it and that's fine, but he's good at it. Um, and he just needs to, I don't know, project <laughs> more. Cause I thought that was an incredible answer. And I, I had to like, listen back to figure out what it was. Um, but anyway, I thought that was, that was a great answer just, and we can talk more about that. Um, you know, the surgery story and the, the story that Jeff Duncan wrote was rel was related to, okay, why didn't the surgery happen? There was a lack of communication. There was this and that. And, you know, Mike, you know, later on in the interview, he was asked, you know, okay, so why didn't the surgery happen? And that's, 
that, that's the funny thing is it's essentially the question that, that Jeff asked, <laughs> but didn't get an answer to. <laughs> and he was asked again by somebody else and he did, he did answer it. And I, I thought that his answer here was also, uh, very telling and, and a good answer. Yeah, we could put it to us right now. It's pretty much like when you come into, when you go to a doctor, a doctor, you go, you get an opinion. A doctor is going to give you an opinion. You go to two doctors. One person has an opinion. Another person has an opinion. You have the right to pick an opinion. So if one of the opinions is you can rehab your ankle and it should be good by camp. And I've never had surgery. And I'm going to stick with that one. If that one doesn't work, then we go with the second one. And that's pretty much how it works. I don't write the opinion. I just have to pick one. Yeah, and I think that that's the that's the communication breakdown. Was you know he got a second opinion. The second opinion was okay. You can rehab this and avoid surgery. One other thing that Mike said during the interview, which is true, he has never had a major injury in his career prior to this. He's been an incredibly durable player. He's never had surgery in that in that in that form. And so I think he uh, wanted to avoid surgery if he could. You know. We kind of treat surgery like giving out candy. Surgery isn't, you know, th these are these are major surgeries, and and if you can avoid them, you know, I I understand the inclination to try to do that. It did not work in this case, and I think that's where everything kind of spiraled because I don't think the team was kept in the loop, and that's what Jeff was writing about. But I, you understand kind of where how he ended up where he did based on the information he was receiving from his doctors and the kind of co conflicting information in terms of how he should go about rehabbing it. And then the setback last year was not relative to the time it took him to get that surgery. He still had a setback off that surgery. So even if he had had the surgery when he was, when he was reportedly supposed to have had it, that, you know, there's no way to say that he would have been back for last season anyway. So it's good to see that that rift has kind of closed um, and you know, maybe, maybe he and Jeff can mend fences, uh, down the road. Yeah. I, I think that's the issue is, is that with injuries, information isn't so forthcoming. And when it's held back, obviously things start to get skewed and maybe misinterpreted. And the, the, the whole Michael Thomas injury saga, along with the drama with the, the fighting with the teammates I felt like it all kind of combined together into this one big negative story around him. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, yeah, the, the, the injury itself was weighing on him late in that 2020 season. Yeah. You, he was playing through it. He, like he said, he was playing on one leg. He was giving the team everything he had. And, you know, I think that's a scenario where you can understand an undue amount of stress kind of put on, uh, a person and you, you know, the more stress you put on a person, you reach a breaking point and things happen, but you know, hopefully it's an experience that kind of helps to ground him going forward. Um, not to say he wasn't grounded before, but I think whenever you have to go through something like that, it kind of gives you perspective. And I, that's, he said, you know, basically that today. So hopefully um, that's, that's something we can look at down the road and be like, okay, you got better for this. You know, this What's is something that helped him. Kind of. well, something that's really going to be interesting to see, I don't know if we're going to be able to tell it practice at all, is just the kind of relationship that Thomas has with Pete Carmichael Jr. Because, you know, de dealing with Sean Payton is, is a, a, a different experience as well than it's what's going to be with, with Pete Carmichael Jr. Uh, Payton was more, I would think, in your face, going to tell you 
things kind of straight up how it is. And I don't really see Carmichael Jr. being that in-your-face kind of guy. No, but I also couldn't tell you very much about Pete Carmichael as, you know, in the role he's going to have. We haven't really gotten to see it yet. Uh, We haven't really spoken to him. But that is something that, you know, we're going to want to look at down the road. And so kind of as we kind of close out here, we are just day one of training camp and we already have these great storylines. What are you watching most closely going forward? Day two, day three, day whatever. Uh, Definitely looking uh, to see more from first round pick Peyton Turner, who was back in action. He had a few nice rushes uh, today. I think he would have had a sack of Ian book. I think getting him back for this defense is huge. And you could, and a lot of people have talked about the fact that if he's ready to go and back in this mix, you essentially have, another first-round pick to this year's draft class because of how limited he was last year. I'm also interested in uh, seeing how this linebacker rotation is going to play out with Werner sidelined uh, and how long he's going to be sidelined. We saw Caden Ellis and Zach Bond both working as- alongside uh, Demario Davis today, and I would think that that's going to continue. I agree, and – I think that's going to wrap it up for us here on this second edition of Inside Black and Gold. We are going to have more for you next week. We're going to have a lot more on the next few training camp practices. We're going to have more audio. We're going to have more great stuff. Make sure to follow Steve over at Steve Geller, WWL. You can hit me up at Jeff underscore Nowak. Make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to check out Sports Talk. 4 to 8 p.m. weekdays on WWL 870 FM 105.3. You can check out WWL.com for the latest content. We'll have a lot on Mike Thomas and all the other things that happen today at camp. And pretty soon we're going to be getting ready for preseason game number one. Woo. I know that's crazy. Uh, this coming Thursday is actually the Hall of Fame game. Yes. Comes fast. Yes, it does. All right. Be easy, y'all. Peace. Later, folks. 